It's Talking Football with Vince Tracy and Rob Daniels. So, a very good day, everybody. It's the 16th of December. Up here, it's um, fresh. It's cold, but it's not um, as biting as it has been. And the wind... Well, we have a wind, but it's not too bad, although this does tend to develop later in the day at this part of the coast. Although um, uh, we don't have the sun, so maybe it won't develop as much today. Let's get into the car and uh, hop over the mountain, drive for about an hour down at Playa San Juan. I should be able to say good morning, how are you, and uh, what's your weather like, etc. to Rob Daniels. So, Rob, how are you and what's, uh, what's your weather like? Yeah, hi Vince, hi everybody. I'm fine, thanks. Um, I'm just having a look out at the balcony now, and it is a bit fresh, as you say. It's um, I, I was out earlier on having um, a breath of fresh air. It's not cold by any stretch, but the sun's out down here. There's no wind, and the sky is absolutely beautifully blue. It's uh, it's a very very nice day considering we're on the 16th of December. Okay, so we're going to talk about uh, Sergio Aguero. Um, because basically he has been an absolute revelation to watch, uh, especially when perhaps our own teams were playing against him. Uh, you didn't want him to do as well as he did, but he was always the thorn in practically every team's side, um, as obviously now we turn to a very tragic, tragic part of his life. He's announced his retirement from professional football. The man's only 33 uh, he was a striker from Barcelona, coming from uh, a club called Independiente. Uh, then he went to Atletico Madrid. And, of course, uh, most of us will probably remember him from Manchester City. So your memories, first of all, on a great footballer and a sad loss to the game. Oh, definitely a sad loss to the game. But um, as he stated in when he uh, made his departure speech yesterday... He's got to look after his health, and the doctors have advised him that it's time for him to retire. Um, very, very sad moment. He um, was playing for Barcelona in a 1-1 draw with Alaves in October, and he started suffering from dizziness and um, had to be taken off the pitch. And they did all sorts of tests, every single test you can possibly imagine. Um, they did everything they could to try and make it possible for him to recuperate. But it just wasn't possible, so uh, he had to make a very hard decision for himself. And we wish him all the best, don't we? But as a footballer, he was absolutely fantastic. Um, he, he started with Independiente in uh, Argentina. He started with them in the juniors when he was age nine. But he made his full professional debut on the 5th of July 2005, when he was 15 years old and 35 days which is a very, very, it's a record for their team. I mean, that's very young for any um, player to start playing professionally, isn't it? <clears throat> As you say, he went on then to Atletico Madrid, which he became a household name in Spain during that period. Um, and he's still very, very well known here. And then he went on to Man City. And he's Man City's highest ever goal scorer, isn't he? I mean, um, his record with City was absolutely fantastic. Um, as you say, you don't want him as an opponent, but um, he entertains millions and millions of people um, with his footballing skill. It's very, very sad that he's had to retire so young. We'll just have to wish him all the best for the future, Vince. Yeah, 390 games for Manchester City with 260 goals scored. He scored 101 for Atletico, 23 for Independiente, and he'd already scored a goal for Barcelona. Um, so Yeah, he only he played four matches for Barcelona before this unfortunate incident happened, and he, he managed to get a goal for them. So, that again, that's another feather in his cap, isn't it? He, mm -hmm. he, he got a goal for Barcelona as well. So, um, yeah, a brilliant player. And apparently 12 hat-tricks in the Premier League, which is absolutely amazing. So we remember this particular player and uh, then 
I think you have to discuss this, Rob, because quite frankly, you know, it's the fact that people aren't discussing these things that you then wonder whether or not there's more to, to this than meets the eye. The fact that, um, for example, at the moment, there are up to, uh, or in fact, they're actually saying over 300 professional sports people, of which 178 have died, that have had complications after having this particular um, or a particular uh, COVID jab. Now, obviously, um, they're keeping it pretty quiet. And that is of a worry to a lot of people. And, of course, you you look into it then, and I'm looking or had been looking last night to try and, and uh, educate myself over things like what is the stance in most of these clubs. Because to be transferred, my guess is now, you've got to state whether you've had a COVID jab. I would imagine that is absolutely part of any conversation that anybody with a uh, transfer request um, is actually faced with. And uh, Jurgen Klopp, for example, is saying at Liverpool, 99% of the team is um, uh, um, vaccinated. And, of course, we then have this breakout in the La Liga this week. Uh, sorry, we're, we're going to come to the figures between La Liga and um, uh, and the Premier League later. Um, but, I mean, the, the, the fact does still remain that if you are a professional footballer and you, uh, or any sport really, and you're seeing these kind of statistics, then you would ask yourself, uh, what's more important, my health or my wealth? Now, obviously, there is one school of thought, which is going down the road that these vaccines are the answer to everybody's problem. But everybody is now solidly, uh, uh, there's enough evidence to show that it's not about being jabbed or double jabbed or triple jabbed. It's not about whether you've been vaccinated or whether you haven't been vaccinated because uh, everybody can see that it doesn't seem to matter whether you've been vaccinated or not because if you've been vaccinated but you still can catch the, um, the, the, the COVID, then obviously there's still a problem. So if the vaccines don't work, why is everybody hell-bent on ruining the economy and certainly in uh, football's case interfering again with the game of football. And I said uh, many weeks ago, I feared that this is about control. Now, obviously, you've got control of football, but you've also got control of Christmas, which makes me believe that the politics behind this is far greater than I can obviously entertain and probably most people cannot entertain. But... I think we did know that football was being used, uh, just keep us all occupied while other things are going on. And then when it comes up near the Christmas period, when everybody will be off work and that uh, maybe people might like to go to church and maybe do the things that Christmas can offer, uh, suddenly you've got all these wonderfully marvellous figures for those people that are telling us that the only answer is the jab. This is all politics and I feel football, because it's such a mega, mega amount of money and everybody has got somebody they know that loves football. Um, there's a lot more to this that meets my eye. I don't know about you. What do you think, Rob? Well, it's an interesting one, isn't it, Vince? And a very complicated um, situation for everybody, really, not just footballers, but for everybody in the world, isn't it? Um what are we supposed to do under these circumstances? Do we get vaccinated or do we not get vaccinated? Or are they going to force us to be vaccinated? <clears throat> As you know, in Spain, we um, to do certain things, you already have to have a, a COVID passport. Um, I think they're thinking about bringing that in in the UK, although they don't like to use that term, do they? Because of the sort of libertarian um, ideas of Boris Johnson and, and the government there, they don't want to bring in these kind of controls unless they're absolutely forced to do so by circumstances. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a very unusual situation. There do seem to be entire football teams. Well, there are entire football teams um, and the squads and the backroom staff and everything that are all being diagnosed as being positive, um, especially with this new variant. 
and various matches have been postponed. I mean, there's um, the forthcoming match, Leicester City against Spurs, which was due to be played, um, I think it was a Friday night match, I think, wasn't it? Um, that That's already been postponed because there's, um, there's too many people with uh, suspected COVID in the two squads. Um, Sergio Aguero actually had COVID in January 2021. And... Although there's no direct link, there are suspicions that possibly he he was suffering from the effects of what they call this long COVID, which nobody really knows anything about. Even the medical experts really don't know very much about. And it's possible that he went back to training too early and that might have had a negative effect on his health. However, there's a professor called uh, Sanjay Charma, he's called, and he's the UK leading sports cardiologist. And he is keeping an open mind on this. He doesn't know if it's just like um, a spike in statistics because there are a lot of footballers, aren't there, having heart problems at the moment. Yeah. Um, not just in England, but throughout the world in general. He's not sure whether or not it is related to COVID or it's just like a statistical anomaly. Well, don't forget, nobody gets colds at the moment. Now, let, let's just get this one out of the way. Colds and flu... Every single year in my life, we've had thousands of people have died with flu and we've had lots and lots of people that you'll meet on the streets everywhere with a cold. And I've got one particular doctor that I listen to and look at his stuff and he is asking the question, uh, is this nothing more than maybe a severe cold? Um, Okay, I'm not a scientist, I am not a doctor, I'm not a medical person, I'm not somebody that really can do anything other than ask the questions because I think I do look for sensible answers and we're not getting them. And if I take us in another direction uh, to something which happened during the week, which is based around uh, what started in the past as being somebody dipping their hand into a bag and bringing out a ball with a number on, putting it on a left side and somebody saying, number eight, Manchester United will play and another ball comes out with another number, number 23, Villarreal. Now, um, this is UEFA. This is top brass, top money, top officialdom. And yet we got to the draw for the Champions League next stages and we had a right cock-up. Absolute mess. Okay, it has been explained, and I'm sure you'll develop this, that there are certain prerequisites, conditions, that mean certain teams can't play other teams. But anything I've ever been involved with that involves going before the public... Um, asks that you rehearse, that you practice, that you know what you're going to do. And I don't think we've had anything like this happen before in this particular draw. So again, I'm asking myself, was there something that maybe uh, should have been avoided, maybe was planned We've all been talking about this instead of maybe the other things that are coming alongside it, which is all the lockdowns coming back and everything that we predicted would happen at this time of the year. So my question is really about, is it a software glitch in the UEFA grand scheme of things, which we were told was the answer to this? Or was it something a little bit more maybe interesting, should we say? Not sinister, but interesting. What do you think? Well, Vince, for anybody who doesn't know, the uh, Champions League draw, um, the the original draw was held on Monday the 13th of uh, December. uh, I think it was uh, 1pm European time. And somebody, somehow... Had put. It's not technology failure, but somebody somehow had put Manchester United into one of the bowls incorrectly because there are certain um, things, as you mentioned, that teams that played in the same group stage as each other 
are not supposed to face face each other in the next round. And also teams from the same country are not supposed to face each other in the next round. So it is quite a complicated um, process. But somebody had put the Manchester United ball in the, in the wrong bowl. And they got drawn to play against Villarreal, who they... No, sorry, uh, they, they were drawn to play against Atletico Madrid, I think it was. It was basically a cock-up because two teams that had been in the group stages together were drawn to play each other in the next round. Now, that they're not supposed to do that. But they went through the whole of the draw. Um, and it wasn't until after the draw had finished, I don't think, that anybody realised that this had happened. Now, this was a massive scandal in Spain um, because people were talking about the, the draw as it came out. And Real Madrid had been drawn against Benfica which was classed as one of the easier matches. There aren't any easy matches, but one of the easier matches. Um, and then they had to do the draw again two hours later, completely from scratch, didn't they? They had to start again from scratch. And this time, um, Real Madrid came out against Paris Saint-Germain, playing away against Paris Saint-Germain, which, um, on paper at least, is a lot more difficult match. So there's all, been all sorts of talk, whether or not this was a deliberate cock-up, um, somebody is getting paid somewhere down the line, or whether it was a genuine error. But it is incompetence at the highest level, isn't it, Vince? I mean, this um, was broadcast live throughout the world. OK, let me stop so you there you, for you, one second, because you, you've explained this really well, and everybody now can understand. Uh, and I'm going to just give you a scenario that the FIFA... Um, UEFA, all these other guys that would be taking an interest in this um, would be somewhere discussing the draw before it actually happened. I also would suggest that a professional outfit would do what they've done in all the other years. They'd check everything. I can't see them not doing this. And yet, as you say, uh, they found this great uh, um, problem because people who've played each other before. Uh, now, you see, look, I'm a little bit simple in this respect. I think Champions League, OK, well, we know they're all not champions because obviously that's been long and uh, well discussed, etc. But um, you've got a number of teams of which they all have a number and they go in the bag and basically I don't see how you can I really don't see how you can cock this one up and then to tell everybody that it's a computer problem which was the excuse that came out just adds more ire to the uh, whole silly procedure and for me mm. uh, it goes back to my feelings of a level playing field pardon the pun um, you know, if you're going to have a Champions League, really what you want is just a number of team all drawn out absolutely randomly, absolutely transparently. Everybody looks and sees what's going on. Now, if you're going to build in all these different uh, rules, like because you've played in the previously together, because you're from the same country, because this, because your granddad smokes uh, old Holborn, and put in all these different regulations, it just makes a nonsense of it being a competition. It can't be a competition in the sense that most people would accept a, you know, fur and free competition. It's a contrived competition whereby they do their best to make sure that they maximise money. That is where you follow these things, always follow the money. Uh, Terry Whitehead, who I speak with later today, always tells me, follow the money. And he's absolutely right. You know, there's money involved in all this. And it doesn't matter whether Benfica players wanted to play Real Madrid or anything like that. It doesn't come into it. It comes into a few fellows who've got a posh jacket with a badge on it, all sitting down deciding what everybody else does. And this really is, uh, it's got to be part of a diversion that we're all now um, part of, which I'm even part of now because obviously I'm, we're doing it ourselves. 
You can't be that stupid. It's like the governments in in many ways. You, you look at the decisions that are being made and you say to yourself, you cannot be that stupid. So the only answer to somebody not being stupid is that somebody is being um, is planning that they're planning something because <laughs> they can't give you a sensible answer. Ooh. Well, that that was a, that was a suspicion, really, um, in Spain, because um, as you know, in Spain, I, I like they do in England and or every other country, but um, because I'm based in Spain and we're based in Spain, I know how seriously they um, take their football. And the previous day on the Sunday, in the all the sports press and everything, they'd all published the possible scenarios um, because such and such a team couldn't play against another team because they'd been in the same group. Teams from the same country couldn't play each other in this round. They can in the following round. Uh, and all these different sort of rules and regulations. But when it comes down to the draw, they are like plastic footballs with a piece of paper inside, aren't they? Yeah. And somebody had... I, I don't know who puts the bits of paper inside the plastic bowls and puts them in the different bowls and things. But it was a human error, I think, or possibly not a human error. It might, it might have been done deliberately. Nobody knows. But in, it basically made a mockery of something. <laughs> incompetence, just gross incompetence or negligence or possibly even worse. Um, well, they everybody, had to do the whole uh, draw completely from scratch, Vince, about two hours. And and by the time they did, got around to doing the second draw, I knew what the first draw was. You will have known. I think most football fans throughout the whole of Europe who've got any kind of interest in it will have known which team was playing which and et cetera, et cetera. And then they have to start again from scratch. Um, two hours later, it just makes a mockery of the whole thing, doesn't it? It does. Well, I mean, the biggest thing is you all see the balls being checked as they come out. So, you know, somebody has to check them going in. Let's... Exactly. That's it. Whoever puts the balls in the balls. Um, well, yeah. Maybe they, maybe they, they'd they, all... They, they, they cocked it up, didn't Maybe they? they'd all gone <laughs> off to the uh, cop summit or something and the tea lady decided that she'd have a go. Anyway. Um, it's, it's maybe got something to do with COVID vaccinations as well, Vince. You never know, do you, these days? You don't. But it, that, that, that was, well, let's say, uh, embarrassing, not for me personally, because it was nothing to do with me, but it was sort of cringeworthy, I think, wasn't it? To see well, it was certainly cringeworthy. But at, from at what... such high levels, um, from... you from what I picked up, uh, Real Madrid are saying the I think it would be the top guys that are saying this are saying that it was payback for their chair, that their um, inclusive uh, group of people that were trying to plan the breakaway group, um, which I don't say that's a bad idea. I think that's probably spot on. I don't know about you. Yeah. Well, no, no, that 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 is being quite openly um, discussed. Um, at, l at least in the press, and people have made statements um, from Real Madrid about that, that they think that they are being castigated for being part of this um, breakaway Super League group. Um, there again, they, they always make mountains out of molehills, don't they? But this this was a very embarrassing situation all round, and um, I say it just proves that, he, that, that these people who, who get paid massive salaries for putting plastic little plastic footballs in different bowls. If they can't get that right, I mean, what... what? Yeah, the world, the world is in a mess, isn't it? Well, we are in a mess. Uh, let me... If, 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 we, if they can't even get a football draw right, I mean, you'll remember, well, better than I do, but they just used to have two... Um, for the FA Cup draw, for instance, they used to have, like, a black bag, didn't they, with balls in, with numbers exactly. on them. They used to put, the, put them into a sort of little grid and it was... Oh, Liverpool, we're playing at home against Leeds United, and people, and it seemed to work. Rob, didn't it? And now they make things so complex. Rob, I've got to get you back on track because we we yeah, we, sure. we were going to talk about something Real Madrid related. So I'm going to come to this mm. next, which is basically 
Um, you know that the whole of the um, world has been informed that Barcelona and Real Madrid are trying to get hold of uh, Mohamed Salah. Um, and basically, there is actually a bigger target that Real Madrid have tried, and I think it looks like it might be going to happen. Uh, Real Madrid have targeted Michael Edwards of Liverpool. This is the guy that's been really masterminding the success of Liverpool over the previous years with Jurgen Klopp, and um, he, he is somebody that seems a really well uh, informed guy because he managed to get hold of uh, Mo Salah. He signed him, apparently. He also signed um, Dick Van Dyke and um, uh, Alison Wonderland. So, I mean, basically, um, we, we've had three major players that have come to Liverpool via that particular gentleman. So he would be a good he would be a good signing for Real Madrid, I think. What do you think? Well, yes, this is um, one of the guys who's in, is in the background, isn't he? Um, he's a specialist in recruitment, and he's been working for Liverpool for the last ten years, I think. He's uh, he's in his early forties, and he is apparently one of the best um, recruitment football recruitment um, people in the world. And he announced previously earlier in this season that he was going to leave Liverpool at the end of the uh, season because it was time for him to move on. And Real Madrid are very, very seriously interested in this guy um, because apparently he is, the best, he is the best at his game that there is. So um, he's not somebody who you hear about very often. I'd actually heard his name before, as you will have done, because we, we look into football quite deeply. But he's not a household name. But Real Madrid have definitely got this, their sights set on this Michael Edwards. Um, and we'll just have to wait and see. If he comes to Spain, it will make it more interesting for us as well, won't it? Because we'll be able to see the sort of the fruits of his work, if you like, who, who he manages to sign yeah. and if it works or not. Uh, very interesting as well, because um, obviously people are targeting Liverpool. I obviously am on the mailing list for the news from Liverpool. This is why I have this information. And I think the other guy is called Mark Evans, but uh, certainly he's the guy who takes top um, top profile uh, names like probably Salah and the three I've just mentioned and it helps them develop their careers in the club. Now, he's apparently off to Newcastle United, which again, Klopp has given his blessings, but I would imagine it's not somebody you'd particularly want to see go because he's obviously got some sort of a pedigree. He's around the same age as Michael Edwards, so it would appear that uh, there's movement not just on the field, but the back room is, uh, again, if you look around everything we talk about, there's so much movement in management and, you know, different monies coming in from all parts of the world, especially the uh, Arabs and the money that they have. Um, you can see quite clearly that there's, I, I think there's a move to try and influence football in a much bigger way than we're being allowed to think at the moment. Because if you look at um, this business, it's like sort of um, coming in on the end of a left jab. There's little things going at you all the time. Uh, and for example, if I just um, put us up to uh, the COVID comparisons of the week, suddenly, isn't it weird that just around Christmas, <laughs> uh, we have the massive increase in COVID positive cases in the Premier League. Now, I, I'm, I'm terrible for thinking the worst of these people, but there is something rather strange that it should happen just before Christmas, just when everybody thinks they might be able to go to uh, their parties and their churches and things that are traditional. We suddenly get a huge amount of um, COVID cases is it the same in Spain? Because in the Premier League, it was 42, which is a record week, apparently. Um, what's happening in Spain? Any ideas? Well, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, Spain is not being, or the La Liga at least, it doesn't seem to be being hit as hard as the Premier League. But at the moment, um, Real Madrid have got um, an outbreak of uh, coronavirus within the squad. Uh, Luka Modric has got it. 
Um, a couple of the other players, Marcelo, is also down with it. Um, there's been a massive breakout, about a massive, various players at Caddies have, um, have got it, and various players at Athletic Bilbao have also got it. Um, as far as I'm aware, there haven't been any matches cancelled, top matches cancelled yet because of coronavirus. But it is getting that way. It seems that Spain is maybe a couple of weeks behind the curve, as they call it these days, because the UK does seem to be hit, being hit very, very fast, doesn't it, by this new uh, variant. And there are several matches being cancelled already, haven't there, in, uh, over the last couple of weeks? Exactly. The, the, Brighton the... against Spurs was cancelled. Um, I think Brentford against Man United. Well, the, the interesting thing for me is that the doctor from South Africa who spotted this variant uh, said, this is a press quote that she came out with. Um, she said she's amazed at the reaction from uh, what's happening in, in Britain and other places because, she said, as far as she's concerned, it seems to be quickly uh, spread but very low in its effect. Um, you know, and then this other doctor that, that I read uh, is suggesting that it's very little more than a cold. And, you know, then we're told that these COVID things are, are in our bodies and we've had them for donkey's years and all this sort of thing. And nobody's talking about cold and nobody's talking about flu. And again, we go back to this business is how much is manipulation and how much is really football related? Because if you think about it, uh, have you seen many masks in a stadia in the last couple of weeks? Because I haven't. I've not seen many football officials with masks on. I've not seen anything that relates to any problems. And then suddenly it's all back just before Christmas. I suppose, as I say, I expected it. But then again, uh, it's maybe the cynic in me. Um, I'm just quickly looking. Our halfway through our podcast and we haven't even mentioned what's happened in this week's games in the Premier League. Now, uh, we started off, and uh, of course, uh, there's one particular result we don't want to discuss too deeply. Brentford, Man United called off, as you've just identified. Um, yeah. And then we had um, Aston Villa visited Norwich, and uh, I thought that uh, they would win, and they did win, and it was a 1-2 so much as I'll do, I like Norwich. I mean, they, n nobody can really dislike Delia Smith coming on drunk and singing to get her team going. I think that's part of what a football crowd really needs these days, uh, especially if you come from the Yorkshire side of things. And listen, uh, this, this is not easy for me to talk about because I don't want to upset you, Rob, but... Uh, Man City played Leeds and uh, we had a, a result of 7-0. I've got to say, it didn't matter who they played. That particular night, they were absolutely superlative. I'm just sorry it's your team because, you know, I like your team. I think they do play some very attractive football. But um, as one or two of the pundits were talking about... And I have to say, I really can see what they, what they were saying made sense is a lot of people go for your manager, Bielsa, who is down on his haunches, and I don't know if he's always sitting on the bucket, but he's obviously um, putting his head somewhere a little bit lower down than most people would expect it to be. And I would imagine that um, if you're being beaten 3-0 at half-time, somewhere from a top coach would an idea appear, let's tighten up the defence. But they didn't. Leeds seemed to be just as attack-minded in the second half. Um, and I did fear the worst for you. And I really, really... Well, don't forget, we suffered at the hands of Aston Villa last year. So it was 7-2 in that case. So we both had big, big, uh, disastrous results against us. Um, OK, any thoughts on Bielsa? Don't worry about the result because that was Man City at the very best playing a team that tried to play football. They didn't go and just block up all the drains and, and make sure nothing goes down. So, you know, I, I've, got to, I've got to give credit. It was a great game for the non-sort uh, of um, partisan. What did you think of it all? Well, Vince, when it got to half-time and it was 3-0 at half-time, I... 
thought I might as well take a neutral's point of view on this, even though it was difficult. And I just enjoyed watching Man City playing some fantastic football. Um, but as you say, um, Bielsa can't seem to change tactics. <clears throat> they, the Leeds team losing 3-0 at half-time. You would have thought they would have tightened up, wouldn't you, a little bit at the back. Um, they, they're talking about if Bielsa goes, which hopefully he won't do, not, not until the end of the season, because I don't think that would be right or proper either on Bielsa or on, on Leeds or the Leeds fans. But they're talking about possibly getting people, someone like Sam Allardyce in or Steve Bruce or one of these sort of like tedious managers, as I would say, who just basically would just... Just keep you in the league. The ho- just just well, keep yeah, you in the just, division. That's all it is. Yeah, but they, they, they'd just park the bus, wouldn't they? But, um, but yeah, Leeds came out in the second half still trying to attack and they just got ripped to pieces, basically. Um, but I'll say it's the worst ever defeat that uh, Bielsa's had as a manager. He's had 538 games, I think it is, in professional football. And no team has ever put seven um, against one of his sides. And definitely not a 7 nil. And um, but he doesn't seem to be able to change tactics, does he? he? He's got the way that he plays, which is very attractive, and when it works, it's fantastic. Well, let's let's but just people go... are talking about it's more. But let's just championship go... level than Premier League level. Yeah, let's just go back w- one game because you played Chelsea at Chelsea, and you were beaten three two, which I thought was a brilliant result. I mean, I mean, it's. Maybe a bit negative, t- taking a defeat as a brilliant result. But I thought you played really well. You were practically um, drawing the game. Um, so it doesn't go that bad in one week. I think the key to it was people like Kevin De Bruyne coming back, Phil Foden coming back. Um, you know, people who've been out of the game. Grealish got one in, didn't he, as well, which um, he was over the moon, was Grealish getting one in. Um, John Stones got one in. Yeah, I mean, Man City, he just came together for them perfectly, didn't he? um, Look, it takes two teams to make a great game of football. And I didn't think your team were dreadful. I mean, I think they were dreadful to defend the way they did. Um, but look, let's come away from that one because I'm I, I'm conscious of the pain etched on your face as we're talking about it. You know, <laughs> um, thank you. Brighton entertained Wolves, and it was nice to see Wolves get the win. It was only one nil, but uh, they've had a one nil against Man City and a one nil against Liverpool. So nice to see them get the points. Um, Mm-hmm. Crystal Palace and Southampton. I thought that Crystal Palace would win this one, but Southampton uh, showed a bit of spirit, spirit and they've come back to 2-2. Uh, but the thing, the big result from last night was Arsenal 2, West Ham 0. Now, the big thing is Arteta's got these disciplinary um problems going on he's had to um, get rid of his captaincy and unfortunately you know he's talking about changing this core of rottenness within the club and I think if he's turning a corner you can see the results are stuttering stuttering but they are still coming in for him because I still think they try to play nice football and I do think that the an awful lot of everything at the moment in the football sense. Let's get away from all the other shenanigans. Um, it, it's always been about whether or not the manager controls the, the, the team or whether or not there are certain personalities, um, Paul Pogba, for example, at Manchester United, who um, really upset the work of the manager. And I think that um, in this case, I think that Arteta is being backed by the team. I think that you can see that there's probably been one or two um, that have been maybe not totally on his side, but it looks like they might have turned a corner. What do you think? Well, yes, well, the problem for we're talking about is uh, Jean-Pierre Aubameyang, isn't it? The, uh, well, ex-Arsenal captain, as we speak at the moment, um, because he is being... Um, Scrutinised by the club for unprofessional conduct, isn't he? Um, he's turned up late for training, he's turned up late for matches on more than one occasion. If you do it once and you've got an excuse, fair enough, but apparently he's been 
he's been taking liberties uh, with yeah. his position within the club. And um, Mikel Arteta and probably the directors and all the other people in the background as well, but Mikel Arteta especially, as he tries to take a stand against this and basically uh, stripped of his captaincy. So um, they are, are trying to get rid of him, I think, in the transfer window, um, December and, and January. But who is going to take him? Because he's, I think he's about 36 now. And with this disciplinary record that he's going to have from Arsenal, they're going to have trouble to get rid of him. But, um, yeah, I think Arteta's done the right thing. Um, he's got to put his foot down, hasn't he? And I think he has got the backing of his team. OK, now we go to La Liga. And uh, you've got some nice news about a local Spanish well, a couple of local Spanish teams. Um, off you go then with uh, Rob's La Liga and Spanish football. Right, Vince. Yes, well, um, La Liga, <clears throat> we've got at the moment, um, Real Madrid are going really, really well. They are 42 points after 17 matches. Sevilla in second. Then we've got Betis, the other team from Seville City, in third. Moving on down, um, Barcelona, I don't know the draw at the weekend. They're in eighth position. They're on 24 points with Real Madrid on 42. So there's a lot of difference there. Um, Elche, the local team to where I come from, they scored their 800th um, top flight goal at the weekend. And it's taken them since the, the 1950s um, to score 800 uh, top flight goals. But at least they got one. Or at least they got there in the end. But yes, the nice little local story is that um, the team that you follow, La Lucia, and the team where I come from, uh, San Juan, um, their team's called Intercity, and Hercules, which is the best-known team from Alicante uh, City, they're all playing in the same division. They're playing in what's called now, it's called the RF, RFEF um, 2, which is the, 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 the reconstruction of the... Um, La Liga this season, but it's they're all playing in the same um, division, and it's not a bad level of football. But two small town teams, La Nucia, um, as you know, uh, you've mentioned it many times, but you know the uh, the mayor, don't you? Whose project yes. it was to, to to get his team into the top level if possible. Um, <clears throat> my local team until 2017 was in the third regional preferente, which is basically, it is like Sunday football. Um, now they are in the the same flight, if you like, as Lanosea and Hercules. And the three of them, we've got Lanosea at the top, we've got uh, Intercity second, and we've got Hercules third. And it's nice to see some local teams, and this, this will happen um, throughout the world as well, but this is local to us, isn't it? Three modest local teams that are all doing really well and are going, they've got a vision for the future. I, I think it's really positive. When I, when I saw that um, in the paper the other day, I, I was really, really pleased. Um, I, th I think it's great for uh, grassroots football. Yeah, and I think it's great for our podcast that you um, highlight these things because um, I say time and time again that the reason why I like working with you is that you uh, have got this expertise in Spain and you see these things um, and I can connect going to um, a meeting with the mayor and an off-the-cuff remark was that um, he's going to build a big stadium and basically uh, Lanuthia is the European capital of sport when it comes to sporting installations um, our town uh, as I used to live there was uh, but only about 25,000 people but the installations are fantastic and then round the back uh, the mayor has put in this um, first class pitch with a great running track round it and uh, he's also put a hotel in it. So, I mean, you know, any team coming to play has the hotel there if they want it. Um, any visitors maybe that want to come, they can maybe stay there as well. But the, the thing was, it was his dream to have a La Liga team. And, you know, I should imagine most people... Uh, 
I didn't particularly believe it would ever bear uh, fruit, but Levante came to play during the lockdown, and so that put us on the map, or put Lanuthia on the map. And as Rob's just highlighted, I mean, you know, to be sitting top of a league which is within spitting distance of La Liga is mm. phenomenal. And of course, it's 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 two, it's, it's two steps away, Vince. Um, if they get promoted. That, that in in this um, that where they are at the moment, there are five different um, groups. The top team in it, and it's all split regionally. But the top team gets automatically promoted, and the next four have a playoff to see who gets promoted, like uh, they do in most of these leagues. But um, the team that gets promoted goes into um, what used to be called the Segunda Bay. That that is only one step from the Segunda, which is one step away from La Liga, which means that, in theory, within two or three seasons, if they have back-to-back promotions, they could well be up there. And they are going for it. I mean, they're having a really good season. So are my local team. Um, my local team until, yeah, 2017, when this uh, local... He's a young guy, but a local guy made good in the... Um, world of video gaming, I think he's involved in. He's very discreet. He doesn't like his name to be put around too much, but he's actually invested a lot of money in the local town. And he's had the the pitch completely resurfaced with this monster turf, and he's had proper seating put in. Um, they've actually brought in some professional players, not particularly well-known professional players, but jobbing professional players, along with the local lads who are now having proper training regimes and things like that. Some of them still have jobs. Um, in fact, most of them still have jobs, but they get paid boot money, if you like, and the companies they work for get paid when they have to go and play and things like that. It's just, it's just really positive to see that things are, are moving in the right direction in some parts of the world, isn't it? I mean, um, not everything's bad, things. Yeah, um, I, I think it needs to be said that uh, the one aspect of Spain's sport, and I'm thinking in particular of rugby and football, is that you can have the promotion in rugby, for example. Uh, you win the title, but then if your finances aren't good enough, you can't go up. So apparently you can then, I think, sell even the uh, championship to another team. Just can you yeah. confirm that to me, Rob? Well, I, I, I think you, you're right. I think you can do it in rugby as well, but you definitely can do it in football. Um, in fact, there are certain teams, uh, Real Mercia um, was one of them, who basically made a conscious decision to sell their name and um, everything that went with the name to um, a place in Granada. To make money out of it, um, th- I think the same thing happened in the uh, English league, didn't it? With this uh, UK, was it called Wimbledon, and now they're called Wimbledon Dons or something? Um, MK Dons. MK Dons, yes, but it used to be Wimbledon, didn't it? And yeah, they, um, that's right. And they they sold the whole rights and lock, stock, and barrel to Milton Keynes. Um, but yes, in in Spain, that is quite a common occurrence. If a team can't um, afford to move into the league above, for example, the installations aren't correct um, because they, they, they do have high standards. I mean, Lanusia, as you know, has hosted Liga games. Um, there's no way that um, the Politeportivo Politi- San Juan would be able to hold Liga games the way it is at the moment. But yes, if your ground isn't up to the standard, and things like that. You don't have the correct facilities, toilet facilities, disabled facilities, um, all this kind of thing. Then you can sell the whole club to the highest bidder, basically. I'm wondering, has this really all been part of a reset that's been coming down the line? And we're now seeing we're seeing it at local level. But look, I've got to quickly tell you and give you the advice that we're now 12 minutes away from the end of our podcast. So let's go to our... uh, I'll give you one. uh, In fact, we start with Manchester United, Brighton. I think that could be off for the COVID, but just in case it isn't, give give us your prediction. 
Oh, we're going straight into predictions, are we right? I, I, I personally think that will be off because um, it's of COVID. But if it isn't, then I think Man United would do it. I think Man United would do it 2-1. OK, and I've put down 1-1. One, one, one. So don't forget, uh, that is possibly off as we go to Aston yeah. Villa versus Burnley. Aston Villa versus Burnley. Now... Um, I can see this being quite a tough one, actually, because Burnley are quite a tough team and Villa are a good team. I, I can see this being a two-all draw, Vince. OK, I've put down Aston Villa 2, Burnley 1. Uh, we go Southampton at home to Brentford, if that goes ahead. Yes, because Brentford are also... Um, it's, it's funny, isn't it? We're having to say, if that goes ahead. And we're not talking about the weather this time, are we? I mean, uh, yeah, if that goes ahead. If it goes ahead, um, I can see that one being a draw as well, actually. I'll, post, I'll, I'll put it down as a Brentford win, actually, because Brentford, are, um, when they get it together, playing well. I'll put it down as a 1-2 uh, to Brentford. OK, and I've put it down as a 2-2 draw. Uh, Watford Crystal Palace. Palace. Um, Watford started off all right under Ryan area, but they seem to have gone downhill. Patrick Vieira seems to be doing a very good job. I think uh, Palace will do this. I'll put this down as a 1-2 as well. I've put it down as a 2-3, so we're on the same page with that one. Mm -hmm. uh, then we go West Ham playing Norwich. I'd like to say Norwich, Vince, but I really I really can't do. I think West Ham will do this 3-0. OK, and I've put down 2-0, so we're on the same page with that one. Uh, Leeds, oh dear, you've got Arsenal coming, so uh, what's going to happen there? Well... We've got to make up for the other day against Man City or, we, or we'll just go right down the pan. I mean, I really don't know what to say on this one, Vince. But um, I'm, I'm going to go for Leeds because the, 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 the team, let's face it, the team have got dignity. They, 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 they will feel ashamed of that result against City. Um, I think they'll go out attacking as they always do. And I think hopefully it'll come off. I think we could do it 3-1. OK, I think they'll draw. I think it'll be 2-2. Uh, mm -hmm. Yes, Everton at home to Leicester. Two teams that aren't having a particularly good time at the moment, aren't they? Yeah. Um, Rafa's really on the ropes at Everton, I think. And so is Brendan Rodgers, as far as I'm aware, at Leicester. But I think that Everton, having the home advantage, um, I think they'll do this 2-1. OK, Leicester just had a 4-0 win over Newcastle, by the way. So what's... Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. They did, didn't they? But that's new against Newcastle, isn't it? So give so... me your score again, please. Two one. Okay, and I've put down one three. I think mm -hmm. uh, Brendan Rodgers back on Merseyside. Leicester boss uh, used to be, of course, Liverpool's boss. Now I, I can see that one going that way. But of course, the interesting thing is two ex-Liverpool managers face to face yet again. Um, here we go yeah. then. Wolves versus Chelsea. Ooh. Chelsea are going a bit down at the moment, aren't they, as well? And Wolves have just had a win and they don't give up. I can see I can see Wolves not losing this. I'm going to put this down as a two-all. OK, and I've put down a nil-one. Um, we go to Newcastle facing Man City. Oh, dear. Don't like the sound of that, Newcastle. What do you think? Now, this... Um, you've got to look for the surprise. As they say in Spanish, you've got to buscar la sorpresa when you're doing the quiniela, the football pools in Spain. I'm going to go for Newcastle on this. I'm going to go for Newcastle on this 2-1. Right. Uh, I'll, pro I'll, probably, I'll probably get odds of 1,000 to 1 on that, but uh, you've got to look for the surprise, Vince, and sometimes it pays off. OK, well, uh, I see it as a 3-0 to Man City, but uh, you never know. <laughs> yeah. You could surprise everybody. Uh, you've yeah. not you've done it before, so you can do it again. Spurs, um, they face Liverpool. Right now, uh, getting back to seriousness, if you like, that should be a good one. Um, I think this could be. I think there will be plenty of goals in this, and I think it's a very evenly 
evenly spaced match. I'd put it down as a three all, actually. I'm hoping for a lot of goals and a good match in that one. OK, I think Liverpool uh, will go there. Uh, they've got to keep winning because if they don't, Man City have won it. Uh, one, yeah. one, two for my money. That one, one, two. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. now we've got um, a bit of time to talk now because we've got that out the way. Let's look back to uh, Stevie Gerrard turning up at Liverpool with the boys. Um, difficult game for Liverpool. I mean, when all said and done, Liverpool missed a stack of chances. Um, it was a weekend of penalties here, there, and everywhere. Um, but realistically, you can only get away with fouling people for so long, and one of them eventually sticks, which is what happened to Mings and uh, Mo Salah. And a great penalty taker. I, I do like the way Salah took tucks these penalties away. Uh, what did you think of the game? Well, as you say, they can only get away with it for so long until the ref's going to blow up, can't they? And um, Salah went down after a clash with Tyrone Mings. It was a penalty, and Mo Salah doesn't often miss penalties, does he? He's got 21 goals in 22 matches this season so far. Um, Liverpool goalkeeper, I was having a bit of a howler. Yeah. He, he was lucky. He was lucky um, that the ball didn't go in the back of the net, actually, because he did He did make some pretty grave errors, but he got away with it, and Liverpool won the match 1-0. Yeah. Um, OK, now... Another penalty was at Manchester United. When there's a penalty, not a penalty. It didn't look like a penalty to me particularly. But then again, what do I know these days? I mean, basically, if uh, VAR can pick up a hair ha- a- a- underneath somebody's armpit through the shirt and not pass a go- not give a goal when a goal has been scored, then anything can happen. What did you think of um, Manchester United's performance? Did they appear to be... Going through a change, do they look any better? What do you think? I thought for the first couple of matches, I thought that they did seem to be uh, looking a bit better. But I don't think they looked particularly good at in this match at all. I mean, they, they had to wait until Cristiano was pulled down, didn't they, in the area in the, 50, uh, in the 75th minute um, to, to get a penalty to win against Norwich. Um, there was actually a, a heart disturbance in that, wasn't there? There was a guy called Man United's uh, Victor Lind- Lindelof. Yeah. Um, he, he had to be taken off after ex- but you see, it's breathing too, difficulties. It, exactly. And, you know, you put this in at the right moment. We're in the middle of a wat- watching the game. And the next minute, you've got a professional footballer going down a yet another one. And as I say, you know, if people can't see that if fit, healthy people who are in the right environment, they're training, they're eating the right foods, they're doing the right things. If they can't, um, if if the the jab seems to be getting through to these people, then, you know, I mean, let your body do the talking. Let your body look at these things, because if you keep putting boosters in everywhere, uh, sooner or later, your body doesn't know what to do. And I think that uh, let's just hope that he's not got a big problem because nobody wants that for anybody. It doesn't matter who they are. All no, apparently the club doctor has said that he is OK. But um, again, it, it, it was another one of these sort of things like a, a professional footballer's gone down. He's, he's having breathing difficulties, but um, hopefully he'll be OK. The club doctor seems to think he is. Look, I was just drinking me coffee there and um, I choked a little bit, you know, went down the wrong way. I half expected a COVID certificate to come underneath the door of the of the studio and um, I've got to self-isolate in here for weeks on end. I mean, seriously, I, I think, you know, if people can't see through this nonsense sooner or later, you're going to live the rest of your lives completely and utterly you might never see a football match again if if this keeps up. I mean, you just really don't know what the heck to think or what the heck to do. All I do know is that in between any theories I have are lots and lots of good people who are trying to do what they think is right. And let's hope this all starts to clarify and nobody has this horrible, blessed disease to contend with because... You know, anybody who says there's no COVID is off their head. I mean, come on. The the, the statistics are, are are amazing. The amount of people I'm reading who uh, have gone down with it. But then again, the flu disappeared. So I don't know what to make of things anymore, Rob. Um, look, 
We've got a minute left. I'm going to give it to you. It's your minute, Rob. Take it with pleasure. Right, Vince. Well, um, I say we are, as everybody knows, not just us, but we are living in very, very uncertain and confusing times. Um, we've got to try and look positively on it, and let's hope that uh, everything turns out for the best, and also that um, professional sports people manage to stay healthy because, I mean, they do put their bodies to the limit, don't they? I mean, the rest of us, we do our exercises and things, but they're really pushing things. And it might not be such a good idea in these times. I don't know. All right, Rob, on that, um, well, note of caution, I'm going to say thanks for your company once again. Look forward to next week. My pleasure as always, Vince.